السلام علیکم ورحمۃ اللہ وبرکاتہ الخروجی going out ila to al-musalla the place of salah bighayri member without any member what does it mean the sunnah of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam was what where would he perform the eid prayer in the masjid no he would perform the prayer out in the open and what was the reason behind that why should salatul eid be performed out in the open yes there is multiple benefits in this first of all there are more people generally for the five daily prayers there are many people but everyone uh, is not required to come in the sense that if somebody if somebody is not able to come they are excused right if someone lives too far away they are excused we also learned about salatul jumuah right that if someone lives too far away then they are excused however when it comes to salatul eid then it's a big gathering everyone should come is required to come and this is something that is natural it doesn't necessarily show that the people that the community has very weak faith that only on eid day they show up and the rest of the year they don't come this also happened during the time of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam because where would people pray their salah where they were in the sense that the closest masjid that was to them or the closest musalla all right everyone was not required to come 5 miles 10 miles even 3 miles all the way to the masjid of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam so how can we expect that from people today right however on eid day everybody was expected to come and this is exactly what we see that on eid day masajid are full overflowing right So al-khuruji ila al-musalla this is the reason why one of the reasons why the salah was performed out in the open another benefit of this was that when you go out in the open all right and you do something there's a huge gathering then it comes with this feeling that yes this is an important day something is being celebrated otherwise if you go to the same old place and as you go every other day or every day then it doesn't bring about the same feeling of festivity and enjoyment right so going out in the open it would help in declaring the day of eid also right now al khuruji ila al musalla going out to the musalla bi ghayri member without any member what does it show that it is not necessary to bring the member from the masjid to the place of eid so that the imam can stand on the member and give the khutbah in other words the imam can give the khutbah of eid from where without the member on the ground but for jumuah what is necessary member because that was the way of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam in the masjid there was a member haddathana sa'id ibn abi maryam qala haddathana muhammad ibn ja'far qala akhbarani zaid an iyad ibn abdullah ibn abi sarh an abi sa'id al-khudri qala kana rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam yakhruju yawm al-fitr wal-adha ila al-musalla 
He said that the Prophet ﷺ would go out on the day of Fitr. What is the day of Fitr? Of Eid al-Fitr, which is the Eid of Ramadan, meaning after Ramadan. Wal-Adha and also Eid al-Adha. Where would he go? Ila al-Musalla to the Musalla, meaning the place of performing Salatul Eid. فَأَوَّلُ شَيْءٍ Then the first thing يَبْدَأُ بِهِ that he would begin with was الصَّلَاةُ تَصَلَى ثُمَّ يَنْصَرِفْ Then he would end the prayer. فَيَقُومُ Then he would stand مُقَابِلَ النَّاسِ Facing the people. وَالنَّاسُ جُلُوسٌ عَلَى صُفُوفِهِمْ And the people will be sitting in their rows. فَيَعِضُهُمْ Then he would admonish them. وَيُصِيهِمْ And advise them. وَيَأْمُرُهُمْ And also command them. فَإِن كَانَ يُرِيدُ أَن يَقْطَعَ بَعْثًا قَطَعَهُ Then if he intended to يَقْطَعْ What does يَقْطَعْ mean? To cut. And what it means over here is to dispatch. If he intended to dispatch, meaning send بَعْثًا A dispatchment, meaning a small group of fighters or a small group of people sent for, you know, for an expedition. Then what would he do? قطعه, then he would send them. Meaning after Eid prayer. أو يأمر بشيء أمر به. Or if he had to give a special command concerning something, he would give it. ثم ينصرف, then he would go away. قال أبو سعيد, أبو سعيد said, فلم يزل الناس على ذلك. Then the people, they remained on this way. Meaning this was the way of the people. After the death of the Prophet ﷺ, Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu, Umar radiallahu anhu, Uthman radiallahu anhu, Ali anhu. What did they all do? The companions, when they became the Khalifa, one after the other, this is the way that they established also. That for Eid prayer, they would go first thing in the morning, and then they would perform their Eid prayer. And after their Eid prayer, they would do what they had to do. And he said that this is what the people remained upon, hatta until kharajtu. I went out. Now who's saying this? Abu Sa'id al-Khudri. Right? He said that until one day, kharajtu, I went out ma'a Marwan, with Marwan. And who was Marwan? He was the Amir of Medina. Wahua Amir al-Madinati, and he was the Amir of Medina. Fi Adha, and I went out with him, meaning for the Eid prayer. He was the Imam, he was going to lead the prayer, he was going to give the khutbah. And which Eid was this? It was either Adha or Fitrin, or Fitr. Meaning he didn't remember exactly which Eid it was, one of the two Eid prayers. فَلَمَّا أَتَيْنَا الْمُصَلَّى Then when we came to the مُصَلَّى إِذَا مِنْبَرٌ There was a minbar. بَنَاهُ كَثِيرُ بْنُ الصَّلْتِ Which كَثِيرُ بْنُ الصَّلْتِ had built. فَإِذَا مَرْوَانُ So Marwan when he came, what did he do? يُرِيدُ He wanted أَنْ يَرْتَقِيَهُ That he should ascend it قَبْلَ أَنْ يُصَلِّي Before performing the prayer. Meaning before even leading the people in prayer, what did he do when he arrived at the musalla? Instead of the salah, he went up on the mimbar in order to give the khutbah. So Abu Sa'id, he said, فَجَبَذْتُ I pulled him بِثَوْبِهِ with his clothes. فَجَبَذَنِي That he pulled away from me, he or he pushed me away. فَرْتَفَعَ Meaning he forced his way, despite the fact that I tried to prevent him, he forced his way up on the mimbar. فَرْتَفَعَ فَخَطَبَ And he gave the khutbah. قَبْلَ الصَّلَاةِ Before the prayer. فَقُلْتُ لَهُ So I said to him, غَيَّرْتُمُ اللَّهِ You have changed all of this by Allah. Meaning you've changed the deen. What are you doing? فَقَالَ So he said, meaning Marwan, he said, أَبَا سَعِيد O Abu Sa'id, قَدْ ذَهَبَ مَا تَعْلَمْ قَدْ ذَهَبَ It has gone. مَا تَعْلَمْ What you know. Meaning what you know, 
what you saw is now over. Gone is that time. Which time? When the khutbah used to be after the salah. So in other words, he's saying, forget about it. It's it's gone now. Now things are different. Do we hear people saying the same things today? Of course. So imagine, even at that time, and this is Abu Sa'id al-Khudri is who? A companion. Marwan is saying to him, قَدْ ذَهَبَ مَا تَعْلَمْ It's over now. Forget it. فَقُلْتُ I said, مَا أَعْلَمُ وَاللَّهِ مَا أَعْلَمُ What I know, وَاللَّهِ By Allah, it is خَيْرٌ Better مِمَّا لَا أَعْلَمْ Than which I do not know of. Meaning, the time, the way that I am familiar with, that I witnessed with both my eyes, that I lived through, meaning the way of the Prophet ﷺ, which you have now changed, which you have now left, that is better than what I do not know. Meaning what is to come in the future. The more the changes that you are going to create in the deen, they are not as good as, or they are not better than what the Prophet ﷺ was upon. That way was better. Fakala, he said, meaning Marwan, he gave an explanation over here as to why he made this change. He said, In the nasa, indeed people, Lam Yakunu, they do not Yajlisuna Lana, they do not sit for us Ba'da Salati after the prayer. Meaning when I perform the prayer and then I give khutbah, people don't stay. They don't like to listen to my khutbah. Fajal tuha qabla salah. So this is why I have made the khutbah before the salah. Because they can't go anywhere. They're forced to sit here waiting for prayer. So while I'm forcing them to sit for the prayer, I'm going to give them the khutbah now. So that they're forced to listen to me. Now there are many things over here. What's the reason why Imam Bukhari brought this hadith over here to show that A, Salatul Eid is supposed to be where? Somewhere outside. And secondly, that there is no mimbar. Right? How does this hadith prove that? Because this was the way of the Prophet ﷺ and this is what the companions were upon. Right? They would go out to the musalla. However, later on, at the time of Marwan, when things changed, what happened? There was a mimbar. Alright, because the way the mimbar has been mentioned over here, it shows that this was something that the Sahaba found strange and different, because that was not what they were accustomed to. That was not what they saw the Prophet ﷺ upon. Alright? So, this point is clear. Now there is a question. If Eid is supposed to be outside in the Musalla, does it mean that Eid should not be performed in the masjid? It may be performed in the masjid when there is a reason to do so. Like for example, in Makkah. This is just an example. In Makkah, the entire city, tell me, which place is big enough to accommodate all the people who come to Makkah? Which place? Haram. Right? The masjid itself. Right? Around the Kaaba itself. And if people wish to go somewhere else, oh no, 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 not in a masjid, you know, in somewhere outside, then what would that mean? Go out of the city, which would be even more difficult. Right? So, the thing is that in many places, you have the option of going somewhere else, meaning out in the open in order to perform the salah. If you have that option, go ahead. But in many places, this option is not there. So, for example, living in this country, if you say, you know what, we'll go to the park. You have to hire it. You have to rent it. Right? And then on top of that, there are also restrictions. Right? And then not just that, weather. And then parking. And what is easiest for the people also has to be considered. Alright? So this is the reason why many masajid, they have Eid prayer, and that is perfectly fine. Okay. 
What other lesson do we learn in this hadith? That the first thing that the Prophet ﷺ began with on Eid prayer was what? Salah. Which means that the khutbah was after the salah. And before this Salatul Eid, was there any adhan? No. And that means if there was no adhan, there has to be no iqamah either. It's straight you know, to the prayer. What's the hikmah behind that? Inshallah we'll discuss. What else do we learn? Okay. But Abu Sa'id, when he saw something happening against the sunnah, he didn't just do nahiyan al-munkar with his words. What did he do? He used his hands. Why? Because he was able to do that. Right? And when a person is not able to do that, then what should he do? His words. Go ahead. Yes, that how people, they will change their religion just for their own personal benefit. Now if you think about it, the reasoning that Marwan gave for changing the order, this was his ijtihad, you can say, right? This his own opinion. Why? Because of a situation that was new. Before, people would sit and listen to the khutbah. And at his time, people would not sit and listen to the khutbah. So if there is a situation like this today, can we change the order? No, we cannot. Why? Because we cannot do ijtihad to change the way of the Prophet ﷺ. His way should not be altered. The order in which the Prophet ﷺ performed something, that order should not be changed. Because if we were given this liberty, then what would remain of the religion? Nothing. Right? We would say, oh, you know what? It's uh, easier to perform salah before wudu. So you know what? We'll perform salah first and then wudu. Because after salah, you're so tired anyway that you want to freshen up and you'll, you can do wudu afterwards. Or a person says, you know, the adhkar, uh, after salah, I'd like to say them before the salah. Because, um, you know, after salah, I have too many things to do. No, you can't change the order. You cannot. With regards to certain things, we have been given, you know, room to, you know, to either pray, uh, you know, nafal first or sunnah first. But even in that, there are some guidelines that we have to observe, some limitations that we have to keep ourselves within. And if we start ignoring these limits and these, you know, conditions that have been set for us, then the deen would not remain the same. It would become something completely different. Right? So this was his own ishtihad. However, this was incorrect. Now, the question is that why is it that people would not listen to his khutbah? What was the reason that people would not listen to the khutbah? Because the thing is that the umara of Banu Umayyah, meaning when the Banu Umayyah, they got the khilafah, their umara, their amir, what they would do is that during the khutbahs, they would encourage people to support the Banu Umayyah. So it became like a stage for, you can say, to promote their political agendas. All right, And people, they would get annoyed by this. Because they did not come for Eid prayer to listen to you know, the achievements of Marwan. Or the great changes that he's bringing about. Or how perfect and how nice the Khalifa is. Okay, Alhamdulillah, good. However, we did not come here to listen to all of this. We came here to listen to some good words of advice that would affect our heart, that would improve us in our religion, that would motivate us to do something good. So it is only natural that when people are being bombarded with information that they are not interested in, obviously they are going to go. Right? And remember that the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ was that the khutbah would always be short. Alright? It would be short. And this means that 
khutbah should be short. Now many times it happens that Salatul Jumu'ah for example, the khutbah will go on for 40 minutes. It will go on for one hour. And people are being forced to sit through that. They have to run back to their work. Alright? But they're being forced to listen to all of that. And they are quite frankly not interested in, in all of that information. I mean, many times if you think about it, khutbahs that are being given, what's the theme? What is it that people can take with them? What's the benefit? Alhamdulillah, we go to certain masajid where there are people who will really prepare the khutbahs. And when you listen to the khutbah, then you will benefit. But if you go to many masajid, the khutbahs that you sit through, you'll be amazed at what is being said. Recently somebody told me that they went downtown and they attended the Jumu'ah Salah over there and the khutbah that was being given. Basically people were being told that if you're living in this land, you're committing a sin and that you should be doing da'wah and how you should do da'wah. And these are people who are working in big corporate firms downtown. These are people who are far from the deen. This is the only time they will come and sit in a gathering of dhikr. And what are they being told? They're sinful and they should be doing da'wah. I mean, technically, correct, you should be doing da'wah if you are living in a non-Muslim land. However, there's a way of getting that message across. What was the way of the Prophet ﷺ? What kind of khutbah would he give? Look at the words, فَيَعِلُهُمْ وَيُصِيهِمْ وَيَأْمُرُهُمْ He would do wild. What is wild? What is maw'ilah? An advice that will really affect the heart. That will motivate a person to create a change in his behavior, in his thinking, in his actions. Heart-touching advice. This is what maw'ilah is. him. He would do wasiyah to them. Meaning, give them instruction with a lot of emphasis. And he would give them clear orders. You know, this is what they're supposed to do, or this is what they're not supposed to do. Clear speech, direct, to the point. And this is the reason why people would listen to the khutbah of the Prophet ﷺ, as well as Abu Bakr and Umar and Uthman and Ali anhum ajma'een. And this shows to us that anytime we have to address people also, what should we do? Hmm? If you start touching political issues, <laughs> then what's going to happen? They won't come back or they'll be bored. Right? So talk to people about what concerns them, what will truly benefit them. Talk to people, tell them about something that is really beneficial. You know, for example, if somebody asks you to come and do a halaqa for, let's say, young girls, what topic would you select? Huh? Okay, good. Stories. What kind of stories? That they can relate with. That they can understand. Right? What topics would you choose? This is strategy. But topic, what themes? Okay, something that is relevant to them. So for instance, peer pressure and how to deal with it. Can you find ayat from the Qur'an and stories from the sunnah about this issue? Alhamdulillah, you can. What else can you do? What other topic can you select? Yes. But that also comes gradually. What happens is that when we when we are addressing a group of girls, you know, we think, oh, these girls don't wear hijab. They don't wear salah. They lie. They answer back to their mothers. So this is what we need to teach them. This is where we need to start from. But it's not going to work. You're going to start talking about the rights of parents. They're going to start rolling their eyes. You're going to start telling them, put the hijab on. If you don't, you're, be, you're sinful. They're never going to come again. What do we learn in the Qur'an? What have we been taught? That even when you're speaking to the Ahlul Kitab, talk about what? Common grounds. 
similarities, something that, that they can relate with, something that they can really find interesting and they think that, yeah, I can, I can take this, I can benefit from this, that makes sense to me. I was advising my daughter. I was I was advising the class about uh, wudu because I saw my daughter. She's not making wudu nicely. And so, your daughter is in your class. Yes, she was in my class. So I and then I tell the story how um, not the story the hadith of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam how he saw the man he was in a fire because he prayed without wudu. So she realized that from that day she maybe after two weeks she came and she said, "Mommy, I'll never pray without wudu." Alhamdulillah. So uh, I didn't tell her directly, but yeah. So there is a way of approaching people, right? قُلْ لَهُمْ قَوْلًا Otherwise, you can be given a stage, and people are forced to come and sit in front of you. But no matter what you say, is not going to reach them, because as they sit, they shut off their brains and they close their eyes and ears, and they're not interested. And unfortunately, many many children, what happens with them, or many people, they go to Jumar. They go to an Islamic school, they sit through class, but not there. So if you really want to benefit people, talk to them about what is beneficial. And this hikmah is very, very necessary for the tari. Uh, one more thing that really struck me in this hadith was, فَإِن كَانَ يُرِيدُ أَن يَقْطَعَ بَعْثًا قَطَعَهُ On Eid day, after Salatul Eid, if the Prophet ﷺ had to send an expedition somewhere, then he would send them after Salatul Eid. The Sahaba did not even take a single day off, even if it was Eid day. That if the deen needs us, if the religion of Allah needs us, on Eid day, call of duty, then we respond. Then we will go. But on Eid day, what do we want? Spend time with the family. This is when we relax and have fun. Of course we do. You have to spend time with your family. This is a day of celebration, a day of Eid, a day of enjoyment. However, you also have to see that if the deen needs you for something that is urgent, for something that is important, necessary for the good of the greater ummah, then respond. This is similar to how if a person is working somewhere, and Eid happens to fall on a weekday, then what will they do? They will try to take that day off. However, everybody is not able to. Right? They can come for Eid Salah, but then they go back to work. Right? Or they have to attend a meeting or go for at least an hour or two or something. So when it comes to worldly work, do we go for it even on Eid day? Yes. So why not the deen? Why is it that we have to forget the deen because of which we are celebrating that day on that day? How can we forget that deen? This was the way of the Prophet ﷺ, of the companions, that be ready for the cause of Allah even on the day of Eid. From this hadith, it's not encouraged to change things. This is just an example given that it was done uh, wrongfully, basically. Of course, this was done wrongfully, and this is the reason why the companions opposed to the point that look at this companion, what did he do? He didn't let Marwan ascend the member, he was forcing him. And then Marwan forced his way up the member. And then he didn't stop there. He told him, You have changed the deen. And then when he gave an explanation, he 
responded that no, this is not right. Anyway, let's continue. Bab al-mashi wal-rukubi ila al-eidi bi ghayri adhanin wala iqamatin. Al-mashi wal-rukubi. What does mashi mean? Walking. Rukub, riding. Meaning, ila al-eid to eid. When a person is going for eid prayer, he can go walking and he can even go on his car. He can go riding his bike, whatever. Bighayri adhanin. And there is no adhan. Wala iqama. Nor iqama. So it does not matter whether a person goes walking or riding for Eid prayer. However, uh, we know that when a person walks somewhere, then every step is counted. And this is the reason why some preferred walking to their Eid prayer as opposed to going on a ride. However, remember there is no restriction over here. Okay, Both options are there. It's up to you what you want to do. Please, but please don't try to walk from your home to the masjid on Eid day, especially if you live far. Okay. Uh, because you might miss the Eid completely. However, when you do arrive at the masjid and you don't find parking in the parking lot and you end up parking really, really far, then instead of getting upset, think about this, that inshallah every step is being counted. It is being written. And there is no adhan or iqama. For Eid prayer. حدثنا إبراهيم بن المنذر قال حدثنا أنس عن عبيد الله عن نافع عن عبد الله بن عمر أن رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم كان يصلي في الأضحى والفطر. First, the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم would pray the salah on Adha or Eid al-Fitr. ثم يخطب بعد الصلاة. Then he would give the khutbah when after the salah. حدثنا إبراهيم بن موسى قال أخبرنا هشام أن ابن جريج أخبرهم قال أخبرني عطاء عن جابر بن عبد الله قال سمعته يقول إن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم خرج يوم الفطر فبدأ بالصلاة قبل الخطبة He said the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم went out on the day of fitr فبدأ بالصلاة Then he began with the prayer قبل الخطبة before the خطبة And the word خرج He went out mean it doesn't indicate exactly how he went out. He went. He walked or he went on a ride. Either way is fine. If one was preferred, then it would have been mentioned. قال وأخبرني عطاء أن ابن عباس أرسل إلى ابن الزبير في أول ما بوي عليه إنه لم يكن يؤذن بالصلاة يوم الفطر إنما الخطبة بعد الصلاة. He said that عطاء said that ابن عباس he sent word, he sent a message to who? Ibn Zubayr. Who's Ibn Zubayr? Abdullah Ibn Zubayr. When did he send this message to him? Fi awalima buyi alahu. When buyi alahu, what word does it remind you of? Bay'ah. What is bay'ah? Pledge of allegiance. That is given to who? To the leader. So Abdullah Ibn Zubayr, when he became the Khalifa, and this was at a time when Yazid was also the Khalifa, alright, but certain Muslims they weren't happy with Yazid as Khalifa and they demanded that he step down and they gave bay'ah to Abdullah ibn Zubayr. And Abdullah ibn Zubayr, he became the Khalifa and he was where? Stationed in Mecca. You understand? Where was he? In Mecca. And who is Abdullah ibn Zubayr by the way? The son of Zubayr ibn Awwam. Asma radiallahu anha. So he was in Mecca. So you're talking about not an ordinary man, someone who was raised by the companions, a child of the companions. So Ibn Abbas sent word to him 
the first time when allegiance was given to him, meaning when he was positioned as Khalifa, that لم يكن يؤذن بالصلاة يوم الفطر Emphasized. He's teaching him that look, when Eid comes, there's supposed to be no adhan. إِنَّمَا الْخُطْبَةُ بَعْدَ الصَّلَاةِ And that khutbah is supposed to be after the prayer. Any lesson we learn from this? Do you think Ibn Zubayr didn't know about this? You would assume that if he grew up at the time of the companions, of course he would know. Right? Then why is Ibn Abbas telling him this? To remind him. Why? Because Ibn Zubayr is coming in a position of authority and leadership. And this shows to us that when someone gets a position or a certain role, don't assume that they know about everything. Don't just assume that. Tell them, remind them, share your experience, advise them. Because many times what happens, a person knows but they've got so many things going on that they forget. So, وَتَوَاصَوْ بِالْحَقِّ وَتَوَاصَوْ بِالصَّبْرِ وَأَخْبَرَنِي عَطَاءٌ And usually you know what happens? When things go wrong, then we say, oh, you didn't know about this? You should have known. وَأَخْبَرَنِي عَطَاءٌ عَنِ ابْنِ عَبَّاسٍ وَعَنْ جَابِرِ ابْنِ عَبْدِ اللَّهِ قَالَا They both said, لَمْ يَكُنْ يُؤَذَّنُ يَوْمَ الْفِطْرِ وَلَا يَوْمَ الْأَضْحَى no adhan would be pronounced on the day of Fitr nor on the day of Adha. وعن جابر بن عبد الله قال سمعته يقول إن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم قام. He said the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم once he stood فبدأ بالصلاة and he began with the prayer ثم خطب الناس بعده then he addressed the people after. So obviously this qiyam was for what? صلاة العيد because صلاة came first and خطبة came next. فلما فرغ نبي الله صلى الله عليه وسلم نزل. Then when he finished the khutbah, then nazala fa'atannisa'a. Then he came to the women. Meaning he came towards their side. Nazala doesn't mean he came down from the mimba, Because as you know, there was no mimba over there. What nazala means? Because the place where the women were, that, that place was separate. Alright? So nazala also gives meaning of arriving somewhere. So nazala fa'atannisa'a. He came to the women. فَذَكَّرَهُنَّ And he especially admonished them. He especially addressed the women. وَهُوَ يَتَوَكَّأُ While he was reclining على يَدِ بِلَال On the yad of Bilal. What is yad? Not just hand. The word yad doesn't just apply to, you know, from your fingers to your wrist. It applies all the way to the, the arm. Okay? This is why in the Qur'an when where the wudu is mentioned. وَأَيْدِيَكُمْ إِلَى الْمَرَافِقِ And your hands up to the elbows. So the Prophet ﷺ was reclining against the yad of Bilal. What does that mean? The arm of Bilal. Meaning, leaning against. He was sitting next to Bilal in such a way that he was literally leaning against him. How comfortable he was with his companions. And how you know relaxed the companions were also around him. That they could sit next to each other and literally, you know, one is reclining against the other. وَبِلَالٌ and Bilal رضي الله عنه بَاسِطٌ سَوْبَهُ He had spread out his garment. Why? Because the Prophet ﷺ advised the women and the women intended to give sadaqah. They wanted to give sadaqah. So, يُلْقِي فِيهِ النِّسَاءُ صَدَقَةً The women, they were putting in their sadaqah, uh, in, in that cloth, in that shawl. قُلْتُ لِعَطَائٍ I said to عَطَاءُهُ Ibn Juraj. Okay? 
Where is Ibn Juraj mentioned? You see, this hadith is connected with the previous ones. Alright? This is connected with the previous ones. So Ibn Juraj, he said to Ata that, أَتَرَى حَقًّا عَلَى الْإِمَامِ الْآنِ Do you think that it is necessary on the imam, al-ana, even today, أَنْ يَأْتِيَ النِّسَاءَ That they come to the women, meaning the, the women's side, فَيُذَكِّرَهُنَّ And in order to remind them and advise them, حِينَ يَفْرُغُ When he becomes free, meaning when he's done advising the men and talking to them and being with them, should he also come to the women's side? قَالَ إِنَّ ذَلِكَ لَحَقٌ عَلَيْهِمْ He said, of course, indeed, this is necessary on them. وَمَا لَهُمْ أَلَّا يَفْعَلُوا And what is wrong with them that they wouldn't do it? Meaning, of course, they should do it. If the Prophet ﷺ did it, why should the rest of the leaders not do it? Now, remember that during that time, when the Imam would be giving khutbah, who would be in front of him? The men. And imagine, if the congregation is large, then where are the women? All the way at the back. And we learned earlier that once Asma anhu was trying to listen to the khutbah of the Prophet ﷺ, women were talking. Right? Because this is what happens. If you can't hear clearly, what do people start doing? They start talking amongst themselves. So this is the reason why many times women in large gatherings, they wouldn't be able to hear the khutbah. Or not every single one of them would be able to. So the Prophet ﷺ went to them, especially after addressing the men. Even though when he addressed the men, that address was supposed to be general and public, but he made time especially for the women so that they do not get completely neglected and, and they do not feel completely left out. So if these days, alhamdulillah, there is microphone and because of that, everyone can hear, it's perfectly fine. All right? Meaning, then the imam doesn't necessarily have to make time in order to go to the women's side. All right? But this shows to us that the imam, whoever the leader is, he should make time to address the women. Because it's not just about being able to listen. It's being able to hear the teacher directly and ask them something also. Because many times it happens that when there are men present, then women feel shy. Right? To ask something, to seek some clarification, they feel shy. They're hesitant. Right? So this is the reason why you will find that many times when there is a public event, there is a sister's session. Sister's Q&A. Why? Following this sunnah. You understand? So this was the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ. And also one more thing we see, that the women are giving sadaqah on Eid day. So we should also continue with the sunnah. That on Eid, make sure you give sadaqah. Make sure you give sadaqah. You know, good deed is written for you also. And these women, what kind of sadaqah were they giving? Dirham and dinar? What were they giving? The jewelry that they were wearing. One woman would bring her ring and another would bring her earring and something of the sort. So give something of your own that belongs to you. Because لَن تَنَالُوا الْبِرَّ حَتَّى تُنْفِقُوا مِمَّا تُحِبُّونَ And what is most beloved to a woman? Of all her belongings, it's her jewelry. It's hers and she loves it. You know, it's not just the value of it, it's that sentimental value. Right? Bab al-khutbati ba'd al-eid, the khutbah after the Eid prayer. Haddathana Abu Asim, qala akhbarana ibn Jurajin, qala akhbarani al-Hasan ibn Muslim, an tawus, an ibn Abbasin, qala shahidtu al-eid ma'a rasulillahi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, wa abi bakrin, wa umar, wa uthman. Who is saying this? Ibn Abbas. 
He said, I was there. I attended Eid. With who? The Prophet ﷺ. Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu. Umar radiallahu anhu. And Uthman radiallahu anhu. فَكُلَّهُمْ كَانُوا All of them used to. يُصَلُّونَ قَبْلَ الْخُطْبَةِ They would pray the salah before the khutbah. Now you might say, how come Ali radiallahu anhu is not mentioned over here? Perhaps Ibn Abbas radiallahu anhu said this. Before Ali radiallahu anhu became the khalifa, Allahu a'lam. But we can only assume that Ali radiallahu anhu also continued the same sunnah. فَكُلَّهُمْ كَانُوا يُصَلُّونَ قَبْلَ الْخُطْبَةِ So Eid prayer, what's the order? Salah first, and then khutbah. Jumu'ah prayer, how is that? Khutbah first, and then the salah. What's the hikmah behind this? What's the reason behind this? The reason is that the khutbah al jumu'ah is a condition. You can say it's like a prerequisite for salat al jumu'ah. Meaning, salat al jumu'ah should only be after the dhikr of Allah. And what is that? The khutbah. Alright? And you know that a prerequisite has to come first. Right? So this is why on Jumu'ah, khutbah comes first, salah comes after. However, the khutbah of Eid is not a prerequisite. It's not a condition for the validity of Salatul Eid. But when it comes to Salatul Jumu'ah, khutbah is a condition. So for example, if a man, you know, he just sits outside and says, you know what, I'll just wait for the khutbah to be over. I'll go late deliberately. He misses the entire khutbah. And then he goes just for the prayer. Okay, technically he got the salah. However, if you miss the khutbah entirely, then what kind of jumu'ah is that? When is jumu'ah complete? With the khutbah. That's the highlight. But when it comes to Eid, what's the highlight? Their Eid prayer. Not the khutbah. This is why Eid salah comes first and khutbah comes after. And also remember that the khutbah of Eid Attending that is not mandatory. Okay? It is not mandatory. It is a sunnah. However, it doesn't hold the same importance as Jumu'ah khutbah. So if a person has to leave for some genuine reason right after Salatul Eid, he can do so. He doesn't need to sit for the khutbah. And where do we get this evidence from? At the time of Marwan, when he would get up to give the khutbah, what would people do? They would just walk away. That was also... A kind of, you know, making a statement that we don't accept you as a leader. You can go on and boast about your feats, about your contributions and about what you're doing, but we don't accept you as a leader. We're going to walk away from your speech. But if the khutbah was mandatory, you think they would walk away? No, they wouldn't. This is why he switched the order. He said, they'll come for prayer, but I will give them khutbah and I will make them wait for the prayer so they won't leave, so they'll be forced to listen to my khutbah. Alright? And that ijtihad was incorrect. So the khutbah is after the Eid prayer. حدثنا يعقوب بن إبراهيم قال حدثنا أبو أسامة قال حدثنا عبيد الله عن نافع عن ابن عمر قال كان رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم وأبو بكر وعمر رضي الله عنهما يصلون العيدين قبل الخطبة. All of them used to perform the Eid prayers before the khutbah. And notice Eidain. What does that mean? Eid al-Fitr, Eid al-Adha, both of them. حدثنا سليمان بن حرب قال حدثنا شعبة عن عدي بن ثابت عن سعيد بن جبير عن ابن عباس أن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم 
Salla yawm al-fitri rak'atayn. Ibn Abbas said that the Prophet ﷺ, once he performed the prayer, when yawm al-fitri, on the day of fitr, how many rak'at? Two, rak'atayni. Lam yusalli qablaha wala ba'daha. And he did not perform a prayer before it nor after it. Meaning, Salatul Eid is how many rak'at? Two rak'at. How many rak'at before Salatul Eid? None. How many after? None. No nafil? No sunnah? No. Only two. Jumu'ah, what about that? Two rak'at with the imam? What about before? Two rak'at of Tahiyatul Masjid. What about after? Either four or two. Summa atan nisa'a. Then he came to the women. Meaning after performing the salah, he came to the women. وَمَعَهُ بِلَالٌ And with him was Bilal. فَأَمَرَهُنَّ بِالصَّدَقَةِ And he commanded them, he ordered them to give to give charity. فَجَعَلْنَ يُلْقِينَ So they began throwing. Meaning from far they were, you know, tossing almost. Or because they must have felt shy coming so close to Bilal anhu and putting something in his garment. فَجَعَلْنَا يُلْقِينَ تُلْقِي الْمَرْأَةُ A woman would throw خُرْصَهَا وَسِخَابَهَا Her earrings and her necklace. What do we learn from this hadith? First of all, that there is no prayer before or after Salatul Eid. That if a person is performing Salatul Eid in a masjid, then do you perform Tahiyyatul Masjid? The thing is that what is Musalla? A place that is prepared for prayer, right? Whether it is in the masjid or somewhere else out in the open, right? Because what is masjid? A place of sujood. And the rulings that are to be observed in the masjid, they are also to be observed where? In a musalla. And that's exactly what the Prophet ﷺ did. He observed them. How that? Typically like how in a masjid, a congregation is men in the front, women at the back, and those women who are not praying... They are, you know, they keep away from the place of Musalla. Isn't that what he ordered the women to do? That everybody come for Salatul Eid, even those women who are not praying, even they come, however, they keep away from the Musalla area where the people are praying. And that's exactly how things are in the masjid also. So the Musalla, the, the place where Eid was being performed, whether it's the masjid or somewhere else, it's the same. You understand? When it comes to Eid prayer. And this is the reason why a majority of the scholars, they say that no, there has to be no prayer before Eid prayer, not even Tahiyyatul Masjid. Okay? There is no prayer before Eid prayer, not even Tahiyyatul Masjid. Now some they said that, well, you know, you should come very, very early for Eid prayer. Because if you come early for Eid prayer, so for example, one hour before, half an hour before, then you perform your Tahiyyatul Masjid and there is a big gap. You know, between your Tahiyyatul Masjid and your Salatul Eid. But there is no evidence for this. And the thing is that this is not correct because the way of the Prophet ﷺ was what? The first thing, once the sun was completely risen, was what? Go for Eid prayer early. Alright? And first thing was what? Salatul Eid. So remember that Salatul Eid, performing that first and foremost after Salatul Fajr on Eid day, that is the sunnah. Nothing else in the middle. Alright? That is the sunnah. And uh, when, when a person will 
perform Salatul Eid, that will you know, suffice. It will be sufficient. So this was the practice of the Prophet ﷺ and the companions also, that Eid prayers to Rakar, لم يصلي قبلها ولا بعدها And no salah even afterwards. What does that mean? No sunnah, no nafl. Okay? Let's say, in some places, Eid prayer is really, really early. So for example, in summertime, Fajr is at 5 o'clock. And you perform your Eid prayer at 6.30, 7. Perfectly fine, you can do that. So later on, if you want to perform your nawafil, once you go home, it's your daily habit. Go ahead and do it. Alright, go ahead and do it. But don't start it in the masjid. Why? Because then people will think, oh, are you supposed to perform a prayer after Salatul Eid? It will spread confusion. And then secondly, we see over here the attitude of the women that they were giving sadaqah because the Prophet ﷺ encouraged them and they were giving their own jewelry, earrings and their necklaces. حدثنا آدم قال حدثنا شعبة قال حدثنا زبيد قال سمعت الشعبية عن البراء بن عازب قال قال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم He said that the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم said that إن أول indeed the first thing ما نبدأ that we will begin with في يومنا هذا in this day of ours and what is this day? Eid day so the first thing we're going to do is أن نصلي is that we are going to perform the prayer. ثُمَّ نَرْجِعَ فَنَنْحَرَ Then we're going to go and slaughter our animals. So which Eid was this? Adha. فَمَنْ فَعَلَ ذَلِكَ فَقَدْ أَصَابَ سُنَّتَنَا Whoever does that, then he has reached, he has attained our sunnah, meaning he has also followed our sunnah. وَمَنْ نَحَرَ قَبْلَ الصَّلَاةِ And whoever slaughters the animal before the prayer, فَإِنَّمَا هُوَ لَحْمٌ then it's just meat. قَدَّمَهُ لِأَهْلِهِ That he has presented to his family. لَيْسَ مِنَ النُّسْكِ فِي شَيْءٍ It will have nothing to do with nusk, meaning with the nusuk, with the sacrifice. Meaning he will not have fulfilled the duty of sacrifice if he slaughters the animal before Eid prayer. فَقَالَ رَجُلٌ مِنَ الْأَنصَارِ Then a man from among the Ansar, يُقَالُ لَهُ أَبُو بُرْدَ Who was called Abu Burda, Ibn Niyarin. He said, Ya Rasulullah, O Messenger of Allah, ذبحت, I have already slaughtered. Now when is the Prophet ﷺ telling the people about this? After Eid prayer. Right? So this man, he came and he said, I've already slaughtered. Meaning even before Eid prayer, I've done it already. We're in the jada'atun. However, now I do have a jada'ah. What's a jada'ah? A very small goat. One year old. خَيْرٌ min musinnatin. It is better than a two-year-old goat. Okay, Musinna is one that has sin. Hmm? Sinan. And what is that? Teeth. So remember that goats, their age is determined by the number of teeth they have. Okay? Because every year they grow a new tooth or something. Okay? I don't know exactly how or when, but their age is determined by the number of teeth they have. Okay? So... I have a one-year-old goat and that, its meat, its health is much better even than a two-year-old goat. فَقَالَ He said, اِجْعَلْهُ The Prophet ﷺ told him, Okay, اِجْعَلْهُ مَكَانَهُ Meaning, make this in its place. In other words, slaughter the one-year-old. Okay, the, the, the younger one. Because that's all you have. And you have to perform your duty of slaughtering the animal. 
وَلَن تُوفِيَ أَوْ تَجْزِيَ عَنْ أَحَدٍ بَعْدَكَ However, this will not suffice for anyone after you. Meaning this is an exception for you given your condition. Okay? Now remember that بَعْدَكَ After you. What does it mean? Some people said after you meaning in time. So no matter who, whatever situation they're in, even if their situation resembles you, doesn't matter. Nobody can have this allowance. It's just for you. Others said that بَعْدَكَ meaning in hal, Meaning this اجعله مكانه ولن توفي او تجزي عن احد بعدك this will not suffice for anyone after you they said what this means is that this exception is for you why because you slaughtered your animal early out of ignorance this is an exceptional situation And this is the reason why you are being allowed to slaughter a small animal because that is all you have left. That is all you have available. You understand? What's the exception being made over here? What's the allowance? That he was given permission to slaughter a small animal. Because remember I told you that there are certain conditions for udhiyah. And one of them is that the animal must be of the right age. And I told you the exact age of every kind of animal. Right? So when it comes to a goat, a one-year-old is not okay. However, because this man made a mistake out of ignorance, and this is the only goat he had, one-year-old, an exception was made for him. So when the Prophet ﷺ said, this is only for you, what this means is that other people cannot go on slaughtering one-year-old goats. They should not do that. That, oh, this man also slaughtered a one-year-old goat, so we can also do it. No. What should they do? They should slaughter those animals which are of the right age. They should not take uh, you know, evidence from this incident for slaughtering a young animal. You understand? This is what is meant. And this is the reason why scholars said that if a person finds himself in a similar situation like Abu Burda, And what is that? That out of complete ignorance, he slaughters his animal before the Eid prayer. And after the Eid prayer, he finds out that, oh, this was something wrong. Your your nusuk has not been accepted. So then he says, I don't have anything else. I can try to buy another animal, but and he tries, and, and he cannot find anything except for a one-year-old. Can he slaughter that animal? Yes, he can. And this is the opinion of Ibn Taymiyyah also. Because they said that the reason why the allowance was given to him was because of his condition. Mistake out of ignorance. So if a person finds himself in the exact same similar situation, then he may slaughter a similar animal that is young. The prohibition that is being given in the hadith is for what? Slaughtering a one-year-old without any reason. Why? Because the sharia is not just for one individual. Because he was Abu Burda, and this is the reason why he was given this allowance. The sharia is to be is not to be restricted to a person. It's to be understood in relation to the description of the individual, the characteristics of the individual. 
not the person himself. So in this hadith, we should not be looking at the man Abu Burda. We should be looking at what? His condition. Because the law was not made for Abu Burda. It was made for who? People. Alright? Now, one might argue, but certain commands or allowances were for the Prophet ﷺ only. So does that mean that any person who is in a position of leadership also has similar allowances and instructions? No. Why? Because what was for the Prophet ﷺ was for him. And this is clear in the Qur'an that those allowances were for who? Only for him وسلم, and after him who can reach that same level. Nobody can get Risala after him. Right? But the situation of Abu Burda, can people find themselves in a similar situation? Yes. Of course. People are more ignorant today. Despite the fact that the deen is complete, that the deen is being taught, but still they are more ignorant today. So if a mistake like this happens, then uh, the same situation can be applied. Now, uh, a person could argue that what about the story of Salim? Remember his story? That how he was raised by a couple and he was not their real child. But then when the ayat of hijab came, okay, he was told, you, you can't come here. So the lady was told, take some milk out and give it to him. You understand? Rada'a will happen. So now, he can come to you. There is no hijab between you and him. However, when it comes to the rulings of Rada'a, what do we learn? That the child must have nursed how many times? Five times in the age of infancy, before two years of age. But this was an exceptional situation. Was that for them only? Yes, it was for them. Why? Because we see that the Prophet ﷺ did not tell other people that you also, you know, nurse so-and-so and nurse so-and-so and nurse so-and-so so that you don't have hijab issues. You know, for example, once the Prophet ﷺ said that don't enter upon women who are not mahram to you. So he was asked that what about the brother-in-law? Meaning the husband's brother. Hamu. He said, Alhamu maut. It's death. I mean, that is even worse for a man to just walk into his brother's house where his brother's wife is without permission and or he's alone with her. This is even worse. Now, there must have been a reason why he was asked this question, right? The Prophet ﷺ didn't say, oh, establish rada'a somehow so that there's no hijab issues. No. If this was something to be taken generally, applied generally, then there would have been more situations where this solution would have been given. However, the scholars do say that if such a situation does come up where out of complete ignorance, I mean parents, uh, a couple, they have a child or they adopt a child and then it's a rare situation and if something like this happens and this may be done, however, scholars do oppose it that they say since the Prophet ﷺ did not generalize it, we should also not generalize it. Alright. باب ما يكره من حمل السلاح في العيد والحرم ما يكره what is disliked? Min silahi of carrying weapons fil eidi on eid wal harami and in the haram. Meaning this is something disliked that on Eid day, as people are going for Eid prayer, people are walking in with their guns and their knives and their swords. No. It is disliked. Likewise in the haram. Carrying weapons is not liked. Why? Because this was the understanding of the companions. 
as we will see in the hadith. وَقَالَ الْحَسَنُ الْحَسَنُ الْبَصْرِ He said, نُهُ أَنْ يَحْمِلُ السِّلَاحَ He said, people were forbidden from carrying weapons when يَوْمَ عِيدٍ on the day of Eid. إِلَّا إِكْسَبْتْ أَنْ يَخَافُوا عَدُوًا They feared an enemy. Meaning if there was a real serious fear of an enemy, then only they were allowed to bring in their weapons. However, otherwise they were not allowed. Why? What's the reason? Exactly. It's a day of celebration, a day of happiness. Don't frighten people by carrying weapons. And this shows to us that in public gatherings, where people are gathered together, or on a day of Eid, on a special occasion, weapons should not be brought. Instead, such things should be brought that make people happy. It's a day of making people smile. Not a day of making them worry. Right? So, this is a time when people should be pleased. Not uh, not, not that they should be put in fear. Right? So, this is the reason why the people were forbidden from carrying weapons, from bringing in their weapons during Eid or uh, in, in certain places. One exception. And what is that? Fear of enemy. Is this a real fear today? Of an enemy? It is. It is in many places. Even in Masajid. Because people, you know, they watch something or they read something and then they just want a weapon and they want to hurt anybody who comes their way. So this is the reason why if you find police presence in let's say Makkah or Medina or Masajid or you find that certain imams around them there's so much security don't think this is a sh- this is a show and display of wealth however what is this hmm? preventative measures right because sometimes honestly when you go to Medina what do you find police everywhere you go to Makkah what do you find police everywhere why because there is a fear of enemy from within even all right so for example if there is a security guard present somewhere at the door at the gate then what happens some people become afraid and other people they relax there's security here right so in a public gathering sometimes this is necessary for the overall safety and security of people حدثنا زكريا ابن يحيى ابو السكيني قال حدثنا المحاربي قال حدثنا محمد بن سوقة عن سعيد بن جبير قال كنت مع ابن عمر حين اصابه سنان الرمح سعيد بن جبير said that i was with ibn umar radiyallahu anhu حين at the time when اصابه it hit him it struck him what سنان literally the teeth of الرمح of a spear meaning a spearhead Okay, like a spear, and at the end of it is what? A sharp thing, right? So it hit him. Where? Fi akhmasi qadamihi. In the akhmas, meaning the sole of his foot. So it was shot at him in such a way that it struck him where? At the bottom of his foot. Now, if Ibn Umar, and he was in fact, he was riding an animal, a horse, right? And his foot was in the stirrup, then what do you think happened over here? The spear went through the stirrup and went into his foot. Alright? 
So this is why he said that فَلَزِقَتْ قَدَمُهُ بِالْرِكَابِ His foot, it got stuck to the stirrup. You understand? Meaning, the arrow or the spear, it went through the stirrup where his foot was. Alright? You know what a stirrup is, right? Like when you're sitting on a horse, where are your feet? In the stirrup. Right? Both your feet. So it went through the stirrup, through the sole of his foot, into his foot. And his foot was stuck to the stirrup. فَنَزَلْتُ Sa'id ibn Jubair said, I got down immediately, فَنَزَعْتُهَا And I pulled it away. وَذَلِكَ بِمِنَا And this was at Mina. Why do you think they were at Mina? It was the Hajj season. This was at Mina. فَبَلَغَ Hajjaj. This news, it reached Hajjaj. Who's Hajjaj? Hajjaj ibn Yusuf. Who was sent to fight against Abdullah ibn Zubair. Remember Abdullah ibn Zubair, where was he? In Mecca. Alright? And Hajjaj ibn Yusuf was sent by Yazid to fight against Ibn Zubayr and kill him and, and kill his supporters. And there was literally a war that happened over there. Mecca was besieged, unfortunately. So this news had reached Hajjaj ibn Yusuf. فَجَعَلَ So he came, يَعُودُهُ in order to visit him. Who? Abdullah ibn Umar رضي الله عنه فَقَالَ الْحَجَّاجُ Hajjaj said, لَوْ نَعْلَمُ مَنْ أَصَابَكَ If only we knew who hit you. Meaning, please tell us who hit you. Do you have any news about who struck you? Because we're going to punish him. فَقَالَ ابْنُ عُمَرْ Ibn Umar said, أَنْتَ أَصَبْتَنِي You hit me. You struck me. قَالَ حَجَّاج Ibn Yusuf وَكَيْفَ How? Meaning, how did I hit you? I wasn't even there. Why are you blaming me? قَالَ Ibn Umar said, حَمَلْتَ السِّلَاحَ You carried weapons. فِي يَوْمٍ during days, لَمْ يَكُنْ يُحْمَلُ فِيهِ When weapons are not supposed to be carried. وَأَدْخَلْتَ السِّلَاحَ And you brought weapons into where? الْحَرَمَ The haram. وَلَمْ يَكُنِ السِّلَاحُ يُدْخَلُ الْحَرَمَ And weapons are not supposed to be brought into the haram. So you brought this. You started this. And you started this. And then people followed you. If you did not bring weapons into Makkah and you did not attack Makkah, then who could bring in weapons and attack people in Mina? If you did not bring in weapons, meaning in a sacred time, then who would? Because Hajjaj was the leader, right? He was the leader of the army that was sent. And he attacked Makkah with catapults and even the Kaaba was affected. So Ibn Umar blamed Hajjaj Ibn Yusuf. Why? Why did he blame Hajjaj ibn Yusuf? Because he was the cause. Right? He's the one who started this. So, Ibn Umar anhu, he considered that the sabab of something became, meaning something that became the reason for another thing to happen is to blame. So for example, if a parent, if a father orders his son to do something and the son does it, then who's responsible? The father. Alright? If the mother tells the daughter to do something, then who's responsible? The mother. I mean, yes, the people who take in wrong orders, of course, they're also responsible because they have the choice to either comply or to refuse. They have the choice. So they're also responsible. But in addition, who else is responsible? The one who gave the order. The one who began it. The one who initiated the practice. And isn't this something so scary? I mean, look at Ibn Umar, how easily he said, you hit me. 
You started this. Right? So what's the lesson in this? What's the lesson in this? First of all, that no weapons should be brought at a time that is sacred. And that includes Eid. That includes the season of Hajj. Ashurul Hurum. And also to a place that is sacred. Unless there is a real threat of the enemy. Now, who actually struck Ibn Umar? Radiallahu anhu. I mean, this was done deliberately. Alright? And we learned that it was a Khariji. A man from among the Khawarij. He struck Ibn Umar in order to injure him or in order to kill him. If you think about it, the man who attacked Ibn Umar, he did not respect the place, which was the Haram, Mina. He did not respect the time, the time of Eid, the time of Hajj, the season, nor did he respect the person, a companion of the Prophet Because remember what the Khawarij considered, that if a person commits a sin, he becomes a non-Muslim. And they said that appointing another human being as a judge, this is kufr. It expels a person from Islam. So the Sahaba, they appointed people as judges, and so they committed kufr, they became non-Muslim, and they literally went out in order to kill the companions of the Prophet ﷺ. Extremist. But you see in this extremism, how blind they became, that they forgot about the respect of the place, the respect of the time, the respect of the individuals. This is extremism. حدثنا أحمد بن يعقوب قال حدثني إسحاق بن سعيد ابن عمر بن سعيد بن العاص عن أبيه قال دخل الحجاج على ابن عمر He said that Hajjaj came to Ibn Umar وأنا عنده and I was with him meaning I was with I was with them over there فقال so he said كيف هو how is it how is he كيف هو how is he meaning how is Ibn Umar فقال he said صالح I'm okay I'm fine فَقَالَ He said, مَنْ أَصَابَكَ Who hit you? Who struck you? قَالَ أَصَابَنِي He hit me. Who? مَنْ أَمَرَ The one who ordered بِحَمْلِ السِّلَاحِ To carry weapons. فِي يَوْمٍ In a day, لَا يَحِلُّ فِيهِ حَمْلُهُ On a day when carrying weapons is not allowed. يعني الحجاد He said, you are the one who hit me because you are the one who gave this command that people should bring in weapons. And when people will bring in weapons, how do you know who's coming with what intention? If you've crossed all bounds and there are no more restrictions, the the hurumat, they're not being considered as hurum, they're not being respected, then obviously, who's going to stop? Everybody's going to violate, right? This is just like in a family. If the mother is seen yelling at the father, then who's going to yell at the father next? Kids will, right? And then if the kids are told, why are you speaking to your father like this? What will they say? Mom, you speak the same way. But you do it too. You say it as well. So who is to blame? We are to blame. Bab at-tabkiri ila al-eid. At-tabkir. What is tabkir? Going out early. Ila al-eid to the eid prayer. وقال عبد الله بن بسر إن كنا فرغنا في هذه الساعة وذلك حين التسبيح 
Abdullah ibn Busr, he said that we would faraghna, meaning we would finish fi hadhihi sa'a at this time. Meaning Eid, we were done with the khutbah also, we would have attended it by this time. And what was that time when he was mentioning this statement? وَذَلِكَ حِينَ tasbih, And it was a time of tasbih. What does it mean by this time of at-tasbih? حِينَ tasbih, it means at the time when tasbih, meaning salatun nafil, is allowed. Okay? When salatun nafil, because tasbih was also used for voluntary prayers. Is this term used today also? Okay, people say Salatul Tasbih, but they're talking about something specific. But in general, in general, we don't use the term Tasbih for Salah. However, in the Quran also, so many times the Prophet ﷺ is told, Fasabih, right? Do Tasbih. And if you read the Tafsir, what does it mean? Establish the prayer, right? Because Salah is all about Tasbih. When you begin the prayer, what do you say? Subhanakallahumma. You begin with tasbih. In rukur, what do you say? Subhanallah azim. In sujood, what do you say? Subhanallah Right? Subbuhun, quddusun. After the prayer also, you say subhanallah how many times? 33 times. So salah is tasbih. Now over here, what it means by tasbih is voluntary prayer. Hmm? When is it that in the morning, you are allowed to perform voluntary prayer after the makruh time is over. Because remember that when the sun begins to rise, which is when the disk appears, then you are prohibited from prayer. Right? You're not supposed to pray. But then when the sun has completely risen and the yellowness has gone, then what happens? And which takes about 15 to 20 minutes after sunrise, then what happens? You can pray your ishraq, right? Or, or your duha prayer. If you go a little bit late, then it's duha prayer. So he said that, Around this time. And over here at Tasbih, he's leaning more towards Salatul Duha, okay, which is later, later on. Because remember that uh, Ishraq, Duha, it's the same prayer. But it's called Ishraq when you perform it really early. Really early in the sense that as soon as the sun has completely risen, okay, 15, 20 minutes after, that's Ishraq. So for example, these days, you see the clock, as soon as 15, 20 minutes are over, you perform your Salah. But if you perform your voluntary prayer after you leave home and you arrive over here, then you pray that that would be called what? Duha. Okay, so depending on the time. So over here, that tasbih has been understood as duha. Salatul duha. Meaning which voluntary prayer? Duha prayer. And that is a little late. So he said, but that by the time we would be done with Salatul Eid and Khutbah, it would be time for duha prayer. And this shows the sunnah is to pray Salatul Eid early. But what happens? Even if it's 9.30, we say it's so early. Whereas technically it's late. Why early? Because people have to, especially Eid al-Adha, remember that you're not supposed to eat anything before going for Eid. So if you're waiting until 9.13, by the time Salah will be done, Khutbah will be done, it will be 10.15, then you eat, it's late. Right? And remember that the Sahabiyat, when they would go like this for Eid prayer, they wouldn't even feed their children. They would not even feed their children. It would keep them hungry also, not give them any breakfast. So if you want to follow the sunnah and also make your children follow it, then you better go for Eid prayer early. You can have suhoor though. Okay? Before Fajr you can eat, but after Fajr you cannot eat. 
حدثنا سليمان بن حرب قال حدثنا شعبة عن زبيد عن الشعبي عن البراء قال خطبنا النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم يوم النحر He said the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم addressed us on the day of نحر meaning on عيد الأضحى قال he said إن أول ما نبدأ به في يومنا هذا the first thing that we're going to begin with on this day of ours أن نصلي that we're going to pray that's the first thing we're going to do ثُمَّ نَرْجِعَ Then we're going to go. فَنَنْحَرْ And then we're going to slaughter our animals. فَمَنْ فَعْلَ ذَلِكَ فَقَدْ أَصَابَ سُنَّتَنَا Whoever does this, he has followed our sunnah. وَمَنْ ذَبَحَ قَبْلَ أَنْ يُصَلِّيَ And whoever slaughters before performing the prayer, فَإِنَّمَا هُوَ لَحْمٌ عَجَّلَهُ لِأَهْلِهِ Then it is only meat that he has brought early to his family. لَيْسَ مِنَ النُّسُكِ فِي شَيْءٍ He will not have any reward of nusuk, of of the ritual sacrifice, ritual slaughter. فَقَامَ خَالِي Barat said that my uncle, Abu Burda, Ibn Niyarin, he stood up. فَقَالَ يَا رَسُولَ اللَّهِ He said, O Messenger of Allah, أَنَا ذَبَحْتُ قَبْلَ أَنْ أُصَلِّيَ I slaughtered my animal before praying, وَعِنْدِي جَذَعَةٌ خَيْرٌ مِنْ مُسِنَّةٌ And I do have a young goat that is better than a two-year-old goat. قَالَ He said, اِجْعَلْهَا مَكَانَهَا Use that instead of it. أو قال إذبحها or he said slaughter it ولن تجزي جذعة عن أحد بعدك and a جذع meaning a young goat will not suffice for anyone after you meaning no one can choose this animal for slaughtering rather it has to be of the right age however if somebody is in a similar situation like Abu Burda then this exception will be applied over there باب فضل العمل في أيام التشريق from this hadith by the way how do we learn that salah is supposed to be early hmm إِنَّ أَوَّلَ مَا نَبْدَأُ بِهِ The first thing that we're going to do on this day is going to be Salatul Eid. Meaning after Fajr, when the day begins, that's the first thing we do, Eid prayer. And it's understood that people are hungry and people have to slaughter their animals and that has to be after Salatul Eid. So Salatul Eid should be as early as possible. فَضْلِ الْعَمَلِ فِي أَيَّامِ التَّشْرِيقِ The excellence of عمل Meaning of doing something. Obviously what? Good deeds. فِي أَيَّامِ التَّشْرِيقِ During the days of تَشْرِيق أيام التشريق Which ones are they? أيام المعدودات Right? The three days after Eid Al-Adha. Now, uh, they're called أيام المعدودات earlier uh, in the Qur'an. And why are they called Tashriq? Tashriq is from Shinra, Qaf, Shuruq, Ishraq. What does that mean? Sunrise, right? And when is that? Early part of the day. So Tashriq, why? Because people, they slaughter their animals, they, w- they would at least, early during these days. Right after Salatul Eid. Not Fajr. After Salatul Eid. Okay, right after Salatul Eid, early, early in the day. Not later, yeah, we'll think about it, we'll see. No, early on in the day. Why? Because, I mean, later on, uh, think about it, no refrigerators. Okay, so which means that you have to deal with the meat early on as well. And if you want to dry it so that they can be stored for a long period of time, then you have to dry it in the midday sun. So they have to, the meat has to be out in the sun for long. All right? So this is the reason why they would they you know deal with the meat early on in the day so that it would not get spoiled. وقال ابن عباس ابن عباس said واذكر الله في أيام المعلومات the ayah in the Quran that remember Allah do dhikr of Allah in the known days. He said these days are ayamul ashri 
the ten days. وَالْأَيَّامُ الْمَعْدُودَاتُ أَيَّامُ التَّشْرِيقُ Meaning these days are in وَذْكُرُ اللَّهَ فِي أَيَّامِ الْمَعْدُودَاتُ refers to the first ten days of Dhul Hijjah. وَالْأَيَّامُ الْمَعْدُودَاتُ أَيَّامُ التَّشْرِيقُ And the numbered days are the days of Tashriq. Meaning they are the ones that follow the first ten days. You understand? They are the ones that follow the first ten days. So again, وَذْكُرُ اللَّهَ فِي أَيَّامِ مَعْلُومَاتُ أَيَّامُ الْعَشْرِ وَأَبُوْ هُرَيْرَةَ and Abu Huraira, both of them, what would they do? They would both يَخْرُجَانِ إِلَى السُّوْقِ They would both go out to the market في أيام العشري in the ten days. Why? يُكَبِّرَانِ They would do, both do takbir, saying Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. وَيُكَبِّرُ النَّاسُ And the people would also do takbir بِتَكْبِيرِهِمَا with or because of their takbir. وَكَبَّرَ مُحَمَّدُ بْنُ عَلِيٍّ خَلْفَ النَّافِلَةِ And Muhammad ibn Ali said that takbir after uh, his nafl prayers. Meaning after his nafl prayers, he made this a habit of saying the takbirat out loud uh, in these days. Now, over here what do we see? That both of these companions, they would go out and publicly say the takbirat. Is this amal? Yes. Because remember that speech is also part of amal. And they're going out somewhere, putting an effort, going out to the marketplace, walking around, not to buy, not to shop, but only for the purpose of saying the takbirat. And who is this? Ibn Umar radullahu anhu and Abu Hurairah radullahu anhu, both of whom were very cautious about their time. They wouldn't do something just because it was fun. There, there had to be a good reason behind it. It had to be important. Because these are companions and we can only expect such behavior from them, right? That they valued their time. So remember that saying the takbirat in these days is not a waste of time. Saying the takbirat is not a waste of time. But we think, you know what? The takbirat are playing and that's sufficient. Or come on, we should be doing something else also. Or just tell the children to do it and we won't do it. No, we also need to do it because Allah tells all of us to do the in these days. Right? So, this was the habit of Ibn Umar and Abu Hurairah. And notice how, وَيُكَبِّرُ النَّاسُ بِتَكْبِيرِهِمَا The people would do takbir because of their takbir. What does it mean by بِتَكْبِيرِهِمَا? Two meanings. This ba could be meaning with, that people would also do takbir along with them. Meaning at the same time. So everybody together. Collectively. And this shows that there is no harm in saying takbirat collectively together in these days. So for example, when you go for Salatul Eid and you know, people are saying takbirat in the microphone, you can say with them. There is absolutely no harm. Alright? Likewise, you're driving to work in these 10 days. Okay? Uh, so in the car, everybody's saying it, the whole family saying it, no harm. You can say it together. Okay? This is not an innovation. Secondly, we see that Ba can also mean because of. Meaning others would say takbir because of their takbir. Why because of their takbir? Because they would be reminded. حدثنا محمد بن عرعغت قال حدثنا شعبة عن سليمان عن مسلم البطيني عن سعيد بن جبير عن ابن عباس عن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم أنه قال that he said ما العمل في أيام العشر أفضل من العمل في هذه. There is no deed that is performed in أيام العشر in the ten days 
That is afdal, that is better. Min al-amali fi hadi. Than amal in these days. Meaning, a deed performed during these 10 days is best. There is no action that is performed at any other time that will be of the same level. If a person performs a good deed during these days, it's the best. Qalu walal jihad. The people said not even jihad. That what if a person goes for jihad in another month? Not in this month, not in these days, but at another time. Even that will not be good? Good enough? Qala, he said, walal jihad. And not even jihad. Illa except rajulun man kharaja. Who goes out. يُخَاطِرُ بِنَفْسِهِ وَمَالِهِ فَلَمْ يَرْجِعْ بِشَيْءٍ He's putting his nafs and his mal both in danger. يُخَاطِر He's putting in خطرة in خطر in danger. And then he does not return. Meaning he loses his life in the way of Allah. Then yes, his deed is better than the deed of a person who performs his deed during these 10 days. Alright? So what do we learn? Why is this mentioned with Eid? Celebrate, but don't just celebrate. Alright? Also do amal. And remember that the 10 days, but then after that are ayyam al-tashriq. Alright? We say, oh, we have three Eid days. So each day we celebrate. Go ahead, celebrate. However, realize that these ayyam al-tashriq are not just for celebration, they're also for amal. Doing something good. So, the thing is that we focus so much on the celebration that we forget about why we are celebrating. What's the reason behind that? Why are these days important? Because good deeds are beloved to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala during these days. And He wants you to be happy. He wants you to celebrate that. So celebrate with amal. And this is the reason why, I mean, the Sahabiyat also, they gave so much sadaqah, right? That is also amal. It's not easy to battle with your nafs. Right? And detach yourself from something that you love so much and give it in the way of Allah. That's a big amal. So each person, different situation, but each person must do some kind of amal in these days. Inshallah we'll conclude over here. Subhanakallahu wa bihamdik. Nashadu wa la ilaha illa anta. Nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.